0: God and Other Delicacies has a weekly newsletter. If you'd like to subscribe, email me at godsdelicateshow at gmail.com, and I'll put you on the list. Hello, everyone. Welcome to God and Other Delicacies. I'm Nicholas D'Agosto. I love talking to people about the way they relate to the concept of God in their lives, how they were raised, how they feel about it today. And what's wonderful about that is that that's exactly what I get to do on this show. So let's get to it. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming Michael Hitchcock to the show. Michael is an extraordinary actor writer and improvisationalist, best known for his work in Christopher Guest's films such as Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. As a writer, he's been a part of award-winning series like Glee and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I had the joy of having him naked tackle me multiple times while we were on trial and error together, as well as somewhere in there also becoming his friend. Believe me, these are honors I do not take for granted. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to have you. I can't wait
1: to take off my clothes and tackle you. I
0: can't wait to be oh. injured. Oh. No, you were very injured. No, no, you were very, <laughs> <laughs> you were very, um, very gentle. Your tackles were very considerate.
1: I uh, empathic well, tackling. I feel like it was the strangest. So I had to. <laughs> we were on a TV show called Trial and Error together, and it was really fun. But I played a client of Nick's uh, who was in jail at the time, and for some reason I loved to tackle people naked and, <laughs> and the fun part about that was just i would literally be standing on these boxes and have to kind of like right. try to superman fly into the screen well and- one of
0: the extraordinary things we learned was that <laughs> that even if you gave a running start the The joke was that you were fully <laughs> horizontal by the time you entered the frame. So yeah. they actually made you jump from higher up. yes. and oh. uh, and and then, of course, you know, I'm falling on a mat, right. And we fell fine and all that. But then there's, like, of course, you know, allowing just the tape to run. Right. And um minutes of you just, Fully on top of me. Right.
1: Uh, And I'm wearing just little, the the skimpiest nudie underwear (laughs) ever. And, which is probably not the worst of it. The worst was probably just how much I was sweating.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. That was,
1: it was all all for the comedy. Oh, man. It was,
0: we, but we couldn't, we couldn't, either you were going to, either we were going to hate each other or love each other. (laughs) And thankfully we came to love each other. Oh, Um, Well, thanks for being here, man. So, you know, the, as I mentioned to you, the thing that we start this off with is, um, what did you have for breakfast
1: this morning? Ooh. Well, I have a I have a protein shake every single morning, and I had had it with coconut milk, and then that I had very yogurt healthy. yogurt with maple syrup, and then I had two cups of coffee, God. and I think that's it.
0: You really got going. Yeah. Did you read the paper fully? Like, do you no, read a ton of
1: paper in the morning? I don't. I I do a weird thing. I watch the morning news, and then I also watch late night TV that I've you know DVR. Oh yeah, okay. So, but I watch. I watch the first five to seven minutes of all the major, like, CBS, NBC, ABC, and compare how they do the Really Yeah.
0: Like, the, just the first five minutes? Yeah. You want just, like, the headlines? I want the headlines. Okay. And
1: then, um interesting. And weirdly I of CBS I'm a huge huge fan of Gail King, Oprah's Oprah's best friend. Oh wow. She is So you
0: always she is always winning. She's, she's always winning fantastic. the morning.
1: Fantastic. I think she's really good. <laughs> <laughs> she's on CBS morning news and she's really good. Oh, great um, man. That's a recommendation I'll I take. know. I, it's really good. But um so Well, good. She, and good. then yeah, and then the late night stuff I like to watch the uh, opening monologues to see, you know, because a lot of them are doing news of the day. Right, yeah. And I like to hear how they comically spun it. Right on. Yeah. Well, so that's my morning. That sounds
0: like a lovely morning. I'd like yeah. to join. It's kind of fun. Um, all right. Well, then, you know, the next question is uh, how and when were you introduced to the idea of God in your life?
1: Oh, boy. We go from breakfast to God.
0: That's why I, that's, it's, it's a nice, easy transition. That's why I, that's why I start with breakfast. It's a direct, it's a direct, it's a one step to the right. It's actually like a, a well, neutral question.
1: I mean, I grew up in a smallish town in Ohio called Defiance, Ohio, which was known as Fort Defiance yeah. back in the day because uh, there was a fort built on top of a hill and it overlooked two rivers that converged. Um... And it's primarily was back then and still is. It's a General Motors town. They build engine blocks there. And my dad worked for General Motors. Um, and it's about 12,000 people. Anyway, is, I'm just saying. Is setting. the town
0: still doing well despite all the, it, like, it does okay. you modern, know, you know, shipping overseas and it's, you know, people?
1: It's, it's lost business over the years. And then it's also been kind of uh, the victim of. What most small towns have—the you know where the big box stores move in, and then all the shops downtown struggle, and all of that business—but they've they've kind of found their way, okay, which is good. Good, but um, yeah. So I grew up in this this Ohio town where it, it's very funny because it was mostly we grew up Protestant. Uh, we went to the First Presbyterian Church uh, in Defiance, and I can remember it was weird to meet a Catholic because we just hung out with mostly, I guess, Presbyterians. And I can I remember, can so I was a little, you know, I was a little kid, and it was just the normal thing to do. We went to church every single week. Uh, that particular church had v- extremely creative programs for children. Like they had like a little mini kitty church hmm. um, called Wee Kirk, which is W-E-E, Kirk. Not sure. Uh, well, yeah. and Kirk
0: is German for, for children for right. church. Oh, for church.
1: So, like little church.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would think
1: I would know that.
0: <laughs> well, and it's also interesting because you know, <laughs> Protestantism is out of, out of Luther, and Luther yeah. was German, and yeah. So, uh, so they had
1: the thing where like this this older woman. Mrs. Simmons gave like little mini stories about usually like the church mouse or something that she make up. And, and then every, that's going, then, that's
0: going on simultaneously with the adult service. Yes. Okay.
1: And then kids had like their kid choir. There was a kid who played the organ. So it was kind of like, Ooh, this is cool. And you don't have to sit through boring adult stuff. You can cool. be with kids and get involved. And so all of that was going on. There was vacation Bible school during the summers. Where and, it,
0: how far away would you go?
1: Like well, vaca- no, you vac- would go to, you know, go to the church. And- oh, oh,
0: so the vacation, you would, like, do, like, a, like they'd have, like, little camps at the church.
1: Yeah, they'd have, like, little things for the kids. And honestly, I went because we got free graham crackers and Kool-Aid. Right on. But that was, I mean, That's you know, great. they're no dummies. They know how it <laughs> And then, weirdly, Mrs. Simmons, besides doing this children's thing, she also ran, like, a, a special boys' church program where we and— it sounds really bizarre because it's guys, but we put on marionette shows. Oh my gosh, that how she, fun! And she would write them, and they were always, I'm sure, biblical to some degree, or at least moral. And I don't remember anything about what they're about. I just remember that they had. She had all these like really cool handmade marionettes, and it was only the guys, like back in Shakespeare days or something. The girls weren't allowed to do it. And it was a
0: female teacher. Yeah. Which is also ironic. Yeah, I but... know
1: it is. And the girls had their own thing going on. but um, And I'm not sure what they did, but they didn't put on the marionette shows. That was for the guys. <laughs> well. <laughs> so, like, so weirdly, I started Amazing. very early with religion and show business combined. Yeah, was
0: that one of your first memories of performing? Oh, for sure. I mean, like you're six or seven yeah. or eight, something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah.
1: In fact, one time I can remember, she goes like, okay, kids, we're all going to get together and have a brainstorming session. I thought, wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. And then we're all going to get this airpiece piece. And then she just kind of ran, you know, she just kind of did whatever she wanted. And it was kind of a good introduction to Hollywood Where the <laughs> boss gets their way always. <laughs> right.
0: Right. The taste of the joy. Yes. But yes mm, exactly. Brainstorming.
1: Mrs. Simmons, you lied to us, but <laughs> so, it was still cool to be included.
0: So you have these really beautiful, like fond memories of just being a child in the environment. When did you start to like yeah. have thoughts about the environment? And I guess what I should say is also alongside that, what, how long did just sort of the the joy of the arena of that like still have a, a, a positive effect on you? Yeah,
1: I think at the be- I think the weird thing about at least in that time period, which was the '60s, because I'm old. Um, so this is mid '60s or something. Like mid late 60s, '60s when I was a child. Yeah. Because later we moved to the Chicago suburbs. But I, okay, right? Yeah, um, I, did, I
0: didn't know actually that you were from Ohio. Least, yeah.
1: So the way back then at least for the kids' portion of it, it was all God is love, God is love, that sort of thing. and then as, which, is, which is beautiful. It's beautiful. And... It was actually the simplest, you know, it'd be like, Jesus loves me, this I know. It would be those yeah. kind of things where it was laid out very individually. And then when you begin to question everything is probably Santa Claus versus Jesus, where, you know, we're all told about Santa and Santa, 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 and then... At some point, you figure out what's really going on, and then you think, oh, that Jesus story—I mean, Santa sounds almost like more believable. than <laughs> Jesus coming out of a virgin, which back then I didn't even know what that was. Right, sure. So a lot of the magic part of it, I didn't even comprehend until later when you find out about sex. Right. Um, yeah. Not then, to
0: mention that, like, the resurrection yeah. part is—you know—some of that. You're like, okay, so he was oh, in the sure. tomb, and then all of a sudden they open it and he's not there.
1: Oh, yeah. What does that mean? And then this is getting off the point, but like, at least with the Presbyterians, like the last chapter in the Bible is re- the book of Revelation, and we just skipped that, because <laughs> oh. it's so confusing and like so scary that it's like, well, we don't, really, right. we don't really talk about that too much. So we just never really read it, because, you know, it's all about death and destruction and the apocalypse and everything else, and so, yeah, we just skip that part. Yeah. But no, I want to get uh, back to Santa for one second. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um <laughs> I can remember in fifth grade, I, by that time, I didn't believe in Santa anymore, but I did believe in um, getting my name in the paper. So I wrote a letter to Santa, <laughs> which they published in the paper, because you would send the letter to the local paper. So I got my picture in and my letter so in. So you knew, so you yes, were. Yes, I knew, were, but I wanted to see it. I know, I wanted this is to see also my name. great. the an introduction in to Hollywood. I know, right? A little you know, self promotion.
0: Betray your beliefs.
1: <laughs> exactly. For,
0: for, for, the, for the outcome. That's
1: so great. And then I think. In, in Ohio and, you know, many, many other places, you also had um, groups come in. And one uh, of them... What, what, what do you mean? Outside groups, entertainment groups okay, that I, were religious-based or quasi-religious-based. And the one that I remember the most was Up With People. And, oh, I remember. Yeah. I don't know them very well, but I remember they
0: were very influential. Well, they were, you know, obviously this was a different generation, but it was... It was they were a very influential name as I was growing yes. up. I didn't really know them.
1: They were sort of in the 60s because of, you know, all the hippies and everything else and anti-war protests. They were kind of like, well, there's also good youth, too, who are promoting, you know, um, moral values. and but w- But what— so they would sing songs literally like up with people, yeah. which like, you know, how controversial is that? Right, it's like, exactly. It's of course, everybody wants to be with people. And then their other big hit was What Color Is God's Skin? And the answer, it's every color, oh. except it was in rhymes. So And that, weirdly, was controversial back then, too. And mm-hmm. what also made the group controversial at the time was it was integrated, which oh, cool. a lot of groups weren't or at least
0: uh, do you mean integrated
1: both like uh, like gender saw, and and race you, and like yeah just, you would see different races which in ohio right. in that time period we saw white people you know right. and that was about it i come
0: i have a very similar upbringing absolutely i, I relate to that upbringing. yeah
1: so those those kind of shows would come through town every once in a while and they would take place at the church and then with up with people you would like sponsor the kid and they would sleep at your house or whatever and you'd feed them and I it was just Oh part interesting. Of, yeah. So they
0: would they you they would ask for like shelter. Yeah, so they would they would come and to part keep their the, costs down. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, wow. Interesting. So, so now
0: that was something that was separate from the church, but was but sort church of, sponsored, church sponsored. And then, yeah. and then the families would sort of take that right. more because then you would have maybe one of the performers is at your house and That's you, keep, right. that you get to have dinner with that performer. Right. And,
1: and they weren't so much like God, God, God. It wasn't that it was more like, you know, we're all one big happy family world. You know, it was that kind of a thing. And, um, as corny as it was as a kid, it was fantastic. And because these people came in and did their thing, and,
0: right? Yeah, and, I mean they're 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 performers, yeah. professional
1: artists. And you saw people outside of your comfort zone, like oh, you know, there's this person and that person, and they all seem to be friends, and like, ooh, that's interesting. And and, and
0: how were you taking cues from your parents' reaction to this? Obviously, they were um, supportive, but you're also talking about like, there's you're talking about the experience of seeing something different yeah. and uh, your parents are the adults in that situation and they're seeing something different what's the, do you remember my parents were any very cues? yeah they were
1: very cool about all that stuff they my dad would always say no matter what it goes, you know they were kind of products of the depression or they were kids at the tail end of it and um they were like, we grew up poor. Everybody was poor. There was no difference. It didn't matter if you were black, white, brown, whatever. Everyone was poor. Cool. And we all got along and we all helped each other. So we grew up in a very, um, I think, progressive time for that. Because I can also remember going into a, a, a store and there was a gumball machine and some kid pulled out what was a black gumball it was like licorice mm. and the mother f- took it out of his hand threw it on the ground wow. and said you can, you're not you're not gonna eat that you're not wow. gonna eat a black thing wow and but she didn't say black she said the yes. n-word and this was when i was a little kid and you're just like downtown yeah. and it was you know my mother was furious but she didn't say anything right. and we were marched out of the store so that was Definitely. I, I also on. have
0: some relationship to that in that my grandmother, my grandmother's generation was um, there. She's very Italian, and they were very working poor Italian railroads and right. and uh, service industry stuff. And and she was very, she was, uh, she was very specific about identifying herself as something different than black people, Right. despite the fact that they were all in similar economic positions. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, a horrible. Uh, you know, memories, of course, to to. In the sense that you uh, it takes a long time to recognize that you that those were very impressionable to you at a young age. If you don't have someone guiding you, it sounds like your parents were guiding you properly.
1: They were, I, I have to say. And plus, my mom, as far as religion went, more so than my dad, but um, well, both of them. But my mom was also a bit wary of like the evangelicals, which you know, the evangelicals are much more conservative than say Presbyterians were, or Methodists right. or whatever. Right. Um, because when she was yes so, so when she was a little kid, she lived in a even smaller town in Ohio and they would have revivals come through. And the revivals mm-hmm. they'd you know set up a tent or they'd have them in a, a town hall or something like that and people would come up and get saved and it would be these you know guest preachers who would preach fire and brimstone and my mom played the piano at them. And oh. she got a bad taste in her mouth because of it because she said, you know every year it's the town drunk, you know, getting saved, and then he's right back at the bottle. And she felt that, like, these people were kind of taking advantage of the town a little bit. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And um, so she was always a little bit wary of, I think, people that were, in, you know, for lack of a better word, Bible thumpers. Mm-hmm. So... Um, That was going on. Yeah,
0: sir. It's uh, we don't have to look much further than like televangelists, you know, to see what like you have to ask the question of of sincerity versus show.
1: Yeah, but back then, in a small town, or even you know, it could be this, it could be Anaheim, California. Doesn't have to necessarily be a small town. These things there was there's not a whole lot to do at times, so everybody went. You know what I mean? It would be like if the circus was coming or a carnival was coming, you also went to the revival shows because it was something to do, and right. it was entertaining. and you'd get these preachers who um were, you know, not your standard guy. And apparently, my dad was ta- I asked my dad about this the other day. He said that back then, um a lot of the preachers in these small churches, were probably just farmers who preached, you know, as a side job, basically. Mm. So it wasn't even a full-time thing because the small town couldn't support them. Wow. So... Yeah, a lot of that was going on too. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah.
0: Um, and so your mother was a performer, also. She was a pianist. She was a pianist. A pianist. And your and your father yes. did he was he a
1: performer as well? No, he was not. He doesn't like performing. No. no, he's he yeah he didn't really do that. He has a great sense of humor, but he didn't do that. And then going back to my grandparents, I had two grandmothers who one was named Edith, one was named Teresa. They went to the same church when they were little, and then I overheard Teresa. Later, say I remember when Edith wasn't so religious ah. because Edith became very religious as we got older. And um, you said and this is
0: these are the grandparents, my grandmothers, your grandmothers. So. Yes. Okay, both of them. I see. So
1: and my grandfathers were dead by this time, so I didn't really know them. They died.
0: So they kind of fairly. had each other as well, a connection point. They, uh, they probably yeah. had other children. Though. I
1: don't think they cared for each other. That I much. see. Yeah, I, but because okay. I had kind of the fun grandmother and then I had kind of the religious grandmother. Uh, But my religious grandmother, Edith, also loved to read movie magazines. So we had all (laughs) the—so she'd read all the gossip. She knew what was happening with all the TV stars and all that. And then she read the Bible. So it was a little bit of all of that going on. Um, And she— And and Edith was was
0: your father's or your mother's? My mother's. Your mother's
1: mother's. Um, And then I found out later that she also suffered from uh, depression and was getting treated for it. And I didn't know that until after she died. So she had a lot going on. Yeah, and which probably made it, it. It makes more sense now why when we went over to her house, we mostly got boiled hot dogs. Uh-huh. Um, wow. Because I think she just was doing her best. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's so. Gosh, it's fascinating. Yeah. dude.
0: And so, how long did your grandmother uh, live? How long was she in your life?
1: Uh, she. They're both. They both lived until they're like ninety, wow. ninety, ninety three, ninety four. In fact, Grandma Edith, the religious one. Drove until she was at least 90. She lived on a farm, uh, planted soybeans, lived by herself, because her husband had died years ago. And uh, yeah.
0: Did your grandfathers die when you were very young?
1: Yes. I can barely remember one of them. The other one, I don't remember at all. Right. Right. And then, um, so so
0: a, a few women, as uh, you know, a few important women in your life, and your father. Yeah. So mostly, mostly females, kind of like as in the power in sort of the lar- of. the head positions of the family. Weirdly, and especially
1: even like the Mrs. Simmons of it all, because she sort of made religion fun. Hmm. You know, this lady who would do the church services. Oh yeah, and right, 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 right. It was the teacher. Yes, yeah. yeah. Right. And, okay. Right. And we also have weirdly distant cousins who are Mennonites. So which are sort of like Amish
0: yeah right right that's right okay yeah so
1: they would come over for family reunions and you know kind of stand around and look like Mennonites and we were all very you know <laughs> taken aback by it because you didn't right, you don't, they, you don't they, see they, that every day right
0: they didn't touch many of the things yeah or they were like... they
1: were like very like black or brown clothing and the women you know everyone was just it was there's no show at all with what they're wearing right it's right It's all very. Yeah. So,
0: and so, so then back to like uh, post uh, Santa letter success in the paper. Mm. I love removing that. So you uh, you start to have um, you start to have uh, what you're acknowledging is that you're no longer necessarily believing these things. You're starting to sniff some of this stuff out for yourself in a way that doesn't fit any longer. Yes. And um, and so, do you? So, what age are you at this point?
1: Uh, fifth grade, sixth grade. It's beginning to you're kind of beginning to question it, and weirdly, you're when you'd ask a question sometimes, like, "Hey, wait a minute, you know, how come you know Jesus did these miracles? How come they're having many miracles for years and years and years?" Well, don't worry about that. Yeah, right. Um, or. Um, so he rose from the dead, huh? How does that work? Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. And then uh, the Presbyterians believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Trinity. And no one to this day, I have no idea who the Holy Ghost is. But but that's also scary for a kid, too. It's like, and when you try to explain it, the Presbyterians sort of, I think, and I'm probably getting this completely wrong, so forgive me when you're listening, Presbyterians who know more <laughs> than I do, um, that they're the same thing that they're all the same thing. Yeah, they're expressions
0: of the same thing. You know what? Actually, this is a great place to jump off right after the break. Uh, But we're going to dig right into the Trinity uh, when we get back, everybody. (laughs) Hi there, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we're here with Michael Hitchcock. We are digging in to the Holy Ghost and the Trinity. And what does that all mean? What do we remember how, about how we defined it as a child? How are we trying to come to it now?
1: I just think with when I was a little kid and, you know, you'd hear the word ghost, you're like, what's that all about? Because obviously, you know, we're all scared of ghosts. And... Right. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: I don't remember the ghost word being like something that really yeah. landed with me, but, you know... I think um, it depends
1: what—and honestly, it would be that thing, too, because it would be in songs. Yeah, yeah, and, that's or, true, yeah. you know, we believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, you're like, well, what is the Holy Ghost if I'm supposed to believe in it? And then most of those kind of questions were answered by, don't worry about it too yes, so much. Yes, yes. And then the other one that I—with Presbyterians also, they sort of believe in predestination, which means, you know, everything's preordained, which I thought, well, well doesn't that go completely against— you know, free will? Like, well, if we're all just going to be, if this is all preordained, how in the world could you go to hell if you're preordained from the get-go to be a bad person? Like, how does that work?
0: Right. It's it's an amazing uh, conundrum that, like, people, you know, they have always tried to answer. And, I mean, one of the things I remember is that uh, they used to say that God, God knows everything, and God knows everything that you're going to do. Um, but... He gives you the opportunity of choice, so that you—it is your free will, but it's a choice he knows you're going to make. It's—it's a, it's yeah, it's a strange, it's trip. It's—it's a very tricky, and it doesn't make God feel all that welcoming to me. Uh, right. When I when I was younger, I I used to find that very disconcerting. I was like, what do you mean? Like, so if I make a bad choice, you knew I was going to make it. If I make a good choice, you. You know, I was going to make it. Am I, right. you know, how do you, how does it, it doesn't feel good. It didn't feel good to me to feel like, you know, I was yeah. a marionette to some extent. Yes,
1: exactly. And then um, before we leave Ohio, we had, like I said before, like Catholics were considered very exotic. I had an aunt who was Catholic and I can remember my dad kind of making fun of the Catholic church. Like, oh, they believe that when you eat the cracker and the wine, that it's really Jesus's, you know, flesh and blood. And, you know, that's ridiculous and that we that's a symbol for us and if you go into the Catholic church there's Christ is hanging on all the crosses and we believe in the resurrection. We don't believe in that to look at a dead body the whole time. Right. Which, the, which, you know, they believe in the suffering, we believe in the resurrection. I thought, oh. And so you kind of come across with these things like, we're better than them. And sure, then, sure.
0: Catholics and, felt that same way, right. the opposite way, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure they did. And <laughs> then
1: we had, there were no Jewish people that I knew in in our town, except for, weirdly, at one point we had a next-door neighbor who was Jewish. And I can remember on Christmas Day, my father joking to like a nine-year-old kid <laughs> or a Six-year-old kid, I don't remember how old he was. Hey, come on over and you can have some of our ham. Ha ha ha! Oh, and my and my the kid burst out crying as he should have and ran to his parents and and I thought you know because they would you know right my dad thought that to make a funny Jewish joke on Christmas Day would be hilarious and it and it wasn't yeah so yeah so there (laughs) that was that was considered like so foreign and then forget anything else like Muslims or anything else that was unheard of when I grew up at least within our circle of friends
0: yeah it was I absolutely completely agree with that I mean I remember um, as we spoke earlier you know we grew up in very white communities I grew up in uh, the suburbs of Omaha which were entirely white when I was young and um, I remember when the first black family moved into that neighborhood, and moved into our parish, and I just remember as a relatively young guy, I must have been eight or nine or something. Um, and you know you I you know they they look different than everyone else they they you can't help but notice like, wow, these people must feel very out of place. They're the only black family here i had, I, I never wasn't the same age as their children, so I had no connection to them but. Uh, it's always been very impressionable to me when I think back on that memory of what, if I felt for the, what they must have been feeling, if it was landing on me that there was such a difference
1: in the room. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, I grew up in such an all-white town where, I think my third grade teacher, I think it was third grade, it could have been fourth grade, it could have been second grade, but anyway, one of the elementary school teachers brought in a black man to stand in front of the classroom so that we could look and ask him questions. Wow. And it was, and I'm thinking back then, like, it's kind of cool, the teacher, considering this is an all-white town, and it was also the 60s, so I think she was being weirdly radical, in quotes, um, for an Ohio town, but that's how white it was. Wow. That, you know, that this man
0: was like, I know what I'm doing is I'm going in as essentially. I I know.
1: So we can ask questions uh, about your skin color and your life. He knows that he's doing
0: a good work, but he understands that he's so different that. Yeah, that I it's actually I'm doing good for these children. And weirdly,
1: I mean, I'm not saying that's what it's like there now. I'm sure it's changed quite a bit since then. But there's definitely pockets all over America where you know, you kind of stick with your own, and that's it. And that's, I mean, living in Los Angeles, where we um, get a variety of everything. I, I, so I'm just so grateful. That's what it is. Yeah, me too. Hugely
0: influential on me getting over many of those early perceived differences. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest thing, of course. It's just yeah. like these these perceptions of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, but so you're so you're understanding the difference between. The, the subsidiaries of the larger Christian umbrella. Right. You're recognizing that Protestants are different than Evangel Evangelicals, and Evangelicals different from Roman Catholics. Right. And, and you're starting to see, yeah, and know, then lines you... that are that are not right there.
1: Sure. And then you would have like the parents, you know, you go like, well, what what are, what do these Evangelicals believe? And go, well, some of them believe every single word in the Bible, and like, you know, we believe that Noah and the Ark was probably, you know, it's a it's a tale that teaches a lesson, they believe it absolutely happened. And so that was beginning to get instilled into us where we were a little bit more progressive than say some of the other people. Then we moved to um, the Chicago suburbs. Uh, my dad left General Motors and went to a, a separate engineering firm. And um, that kicked my religion into a different gear because we we grew up in this church that there so I went from sixth grade through high school. That was um, kind of a happening church. You know, like a lot of it, it's still that way in the Chicago suburbs and all over where you get like the popular church um, and they've got the cool minister and they've got the good right. choir director. And that's what this church was. And so they had all these um, just programs where you could go to, you know, you go to summer camp and you go to church camp, you know, out in on Lake Michigan and all these cool activities that. We all did and really liked, and now so now we're in like the '70s, and in the '70s, you we would there would literally there was one I can remember this distinctly. They got the album Jesus Christ Superstar, put it on, and you would sit in the pew and listen to Jesus Christ Superstar, and then discuss it. Wow! Um, and then The Exorcist came out, and The Exorcist back then I cannot tell you how much it scared people. Like wow. I saw it and slept with my parents, and I was. Fourteen at the time wow um i was so scared and there would be huge huge sermons about the exorcist and does the devil exist and what is the devil and you know all of that stuff wow fascinating um, yeah it was a crazy time and then
0: so they were very progressive in that they were trying to engage with a kind of cultural discussion you know they're sitting yeah. here saying like look we can use you know, they're they're obviously choosing very specific you know Christian symbolisms mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. things that are associated with Christianity or with religion in general But like they're still using these things as demonstrations right. and examples for teaching right.
1: and what I might take away from that time period too was at least in that church at that particular time in that particular town uh, a lot of it was not only God is love but they kind of kind of centered on the parables and and to this day, I think the parables are fantastic So, you know, all these lessons that you can learn in there. And if you don't believe in Jesus or whatever, you can still have a great takeaway from, you know, helping your fellow man and helping the least among us. And, um, And I have to say that I gave them credit for that. That was by far the, you know, the best part about it. But we would do like, you know, teen services where like, you know, I can remember one time I had to, I wore ripped jeans to church and I popped up out of an aisle. And started talking about popped I, out of a what? Out of an out of the aisle like the, oh, oh, I was the I the was like an island. Yeah, really? so there would be like the youth <laughs> service, and then yeah, um, you know, we had sacred dancers, which were basically girls in high school wearing you know black leotards, and they would do a ballet number or a, amazing, you know, some kind of. So they're some, really trying to empower
0: the youth they were, here yeah. and and make them feel. Uh, I mean, they yeah, rightly understood that if the children aren't engaged, uh, if children at that age aren't engaged, uh, then they're going to be lost, right. uh, most likely, as even it was probably happening simultaneous with the, simultaneously in your mind as you're participating in these things sincerely, you're also yes. going through a transition where you're like, not sure that this is really That's what right. you believe.
1: And then I was in a, I was in a children's theater troupe that was, um, you know, we mostly did, you know, whatever, Wind in the Willows and Alice in Wonderland. But we had one woman who um, we trooped a show called For Heaven's Sake, which was a like a musical comedy about, I don't know, religion. But we didn't do the music... <laughs> <laughs> we just like, like, just said it out loud, like, as if it was poetry. And it was, we you're would, doing like beat poetry, too. I mean, to it a was, musical, and without... it, it, it wasn't funny anymore. It was more like we're shouting at people to get saved. And I thought, nowadays, I thought, like, would that ever happen? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, this lady just took upon herself to tour this religious show, and we played many, many churches doing it, you know.
0: And, wow. So you're all over the area, you were going around. performing it
1: so you'd be like you know you'd wear like tie-dye shirts and you know point at people in the aisles and tell them to get saved and then and then we'd be doing the Wizard of Oz so it was like a strange wow a little it was
0: and uh, so you're a sophomore in high school or something at this time doing all that
1: stuff and did then, you
0: feel separate from other high school students? Did you feel? Did you recognize no, that were you were you um, it, it, more involved in Christianity than the average? Or no, you... I would
1: say I was I was pretty average. Okay. There were definitely people more than me. Was it
0: a Was it a, was it a religious school?
1: No, it was no, a public school. It was a public school, but it's a town full of churches. Okay, and the Chicago suburbs. Yeah, and um, that's also back still when I assume it's still that way. And some, you know, the high school had Campus Crusade for Christ. And I wasn't involved in that because I was a nerd, and Kemp's Crusade for Christ was for all the popular kids. Wow, interesting. And so I was not, you know, and it was sort of an unknown thing like, oh, no, no, you're too far down on the food chain to... Go to campus crusade for Christ. So, so that was <laughs> for like, amazing. yeah, it was for like the jocks. And so, Very like, Christian of them. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I know. I still find that fascinating. So, uh, you know, but yeah, humans but then, are humans. Right. But then again, it was, and then the church was sort of a place to hang. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, I can remember one time during. High school, you know, we all went to this church camp, and the older kids got busted for drinking, and it was this huge deal. And wow. so it I'm wasn't sure all that just, was a shell, because yes. I mean, you're
0: all under the guise of, you know, right. righteousness, and so
1: it wasn't just church, church, church all yeah. the time. And then, but as all that's going on, that's when I really did begin to question all of it. You know, that didn't stop me from. Um, we, we, we did Godspell my senior year of high school, and um, I really wanted to, A, be in it, and B, play Jesus. And I do remember praying to God that if he gave me the part of Jesus, wow, I would no longer masturbate.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. I... I remember the the deep conflict about masturbation also yes. man. Such deep conflict. Uh, yeah. Did did you get the part?
1: I got the part and I oh, and I think I lasted and then you about got 3 screwed. weeks. <laughs> I think I lasted 3 weeks, but in fact, I can remember You didn't
0: even rat- last through the run of the show. Oh
1: no. <laughs> That's for sure.
0: You, that must have felt so difficult for you. Here oh. you are performing the role and you'd made a deal.
1: I made a deal for the rest of my and life. And you apparently. were still masturbating. Yeah. That must have felt terrible. Oh, it was it was not great. And then The guilt. Oh the, the guilt of shaming about masturbation. I Oof. had a I had a diary for a while when I was littler and like fourteen or whatever. And You know, you'd write in the diary whatever happened that day, but then I'd also have a little star, and the star meant I masturbated.
0: Amazing, and that (laughs) the star was there to remind you. I guess you think that that you were like that, like to shame yourself almost. I don't
1: know, but I also think, like looking back, like. Was I being truthful? Wouldn't I have been doing that every night? But I don't. I don't know. You Apparently, been, look, it wasn't. I was
0: relatively successful at times. I remember when I could be diligent.
1: Yeah, I, I think I was. It's when I discovered that
0: what, what dreams are is that you know when I would be abstain long enough, right. uh, then all of a sudden <laughs> the body takes care of it.
1: And we didn't really have shame in our family about it that much, but it just wasn't talked about. So it wasn't like don't do it or it's you know right. religiously bad. But um, yeah. But anyway, and my other thing about Jesus. Playing Jesus and Godspell was that summer after I had played Jesus and Godspell. My one of my drama teachers um, got shingles, <laughs> and she was an older lady who got shingles. Right, and she wanted me to come over and hold her hand and help her with her shingles, and so I literally went into her bedroom. And she's like going like, oh, and I would hold her hand. And the only reason I was there is because I had played Jesus God Godspell. And I guess she thought I had magical powers. Whoa. Um, That's so, wild. And I can also, remember. Also, is shingles contagious? I'm sure, yes. <laughs> I think it is contagious. You're I mean, right. I
0: don't know. I think it, you have to have like a low immune system. But I, I think you're supposed to be careful about shingles. I just
1: remember at the time going like this is really weird. And like, I am far from Christ-like and yet I, what am I going to do? Like not hold, you know, her hand. And then meanwhile, she's just groaning like, Oh, Oh. so anyway, I did do my, how
0: long did you, how long did you do that? Like many days?
1: No, I only did it once, but it was, it was for a good hour. Wow. It was (laughs) like, she, Oh I don't know what a, that was very strange. Yeah, man. I mean,
0: what a, what a fascinating, (laughs) that's great. Uh, so you, I definitely remember those times, you know, feeling, mm-hmm. I remember going through the process of feeling guilty about using prayers as, as, uh, you know, trying to leverage, leverage them as bargaining. Yeah. So, so you, so you get through Godspell.
1: Got through Godspell. Well, and now. And P.S., I, Nick, uh, you need to know this. Oh, I want
0: to hear it. Standing I want to hear what I need to know.
1: Standing ovations. Every performance.
0: Yeah. It doesn't surprise yeah, me, I but just, it is nice to hear. Yeah.
1: Now looking back, if you go to any high school show, <laughs> they always get staying ovation. But at the time I didn't know that.
0: How many performances uh, did you get? I remember that I think we only got to do two weekends of like three performances each or something. That sounds about right. Young. But
1: then it was popular, so we got to bring it back. Oh, you were so good. Oh, we were so good. Although the second time around I I left out an entire chunk and I just kept I just we just didn't do part of it because I, I have a I, I have a memory of
0: that too in college. Uh, I uh, yeah, and actually my the the woman who was the the lead opposite me, um, her parents were in town to visit that show, and I screwed up the show and like skipped her whole scene, and like she was so sad and crying at the end of it. Oh, it's no. uh, still a painful memory. So um, we'll come back and talk more about post Godspell right after this. Ooh. Hi, so uh, I'm talking to Michael Hitchcock, and we, we're we just finishing up, um, we're getting towards the end of like high school and sort of the beginning yeah. of him entering into that you know post-18, early adulthood stage, and for you, that was a transition out, like probably a more significant transition, another step in the direction of leaving the church, or am I, am I wrong?
1: Yeah, we're getting there, although I had a, so I went to college and did college things and did the fraternity and all that stuff and didn't go to church at all. And then uh, I moved out here for grad school. I went to UCLA grad school. and Directly out of, uh, ap- directly after, out of after, bachelor's? After, after, yeah, my bachelor's at Northwestern. And then... Um, so you're 22, 23. So I'm 22-ish. And honestly, to meet people, I joined the Bel Air Presbyterian Church, wow. uh, which is up on Mulholland, a beautiful, beautiful church. And it was also one of the big, like, it's a big popular church. And at the time, the guy who... Was the preacher? Was the big, you know, like UCLA football star, you know, and all that business. So it was a, it was that kind of a thing. But when I was there, two things happened. One, the I helped with the youth group, and I found out that this Presbyterian church, the, the youth group. I'm not talking about the whole thing, but at that time, the people that were in charge of the youth group were very fundamentalist. Mm. And I thought, this is not how I grew up, mm. and this is, I don't believe in what they're teaching so much. And then I was also at the same time uh, going to join the church, and you have to at one point say, I believe in Jesus Christ. tonight. And I remember True. in the little thing saying, I don't know if I do. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody looked at me like, you know... Going straight You're to hell the wrong and what, what's happening and da 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 and I remember then recounting later and then recanting later and saying I did wow. but I really I, I doubted it and then I, I left not too long I think after college I was sort of done with them and
0: did you ever, I haven't really oh so go ahead yeah that was sort of it did you ever feel like you had to have a conversation with your parents about it. Like we, did you we, go? You'd go back, and they would want to go to mass, and so you just go to mass with them. Well, hey, we don't go to mass. Oh, I'm sorry, right? Yes, that's a very Roman Catholic thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, there you go. Um, uh, so you would go to church, and yeah, no, yeah, It's so funny, to say, but that's, that's, that's exactly right.
1: Yeah, it would be. It would be more. Yes, we would begin to have those conversations, and then they were never horrified. It would be like, oh, come on, just go. You're going to see some people. You know, you're going to.
0: But they were never. Um, and you mentioned that they were progressive, and yeah. and so in that way they were progressive enough to understand like, hey, he wants to go his own way. They weren't going to feel offended by your choice. Right. They didn't feel threatened by your leaving the church, or uh, you were, you were bit, never you were never aggressive about it.
1: I th- yeah, I think I think church for many people, including. I mean, there's certainly, I'm not going to discount their spiritual beliefs, but a lot of it is also for the social aspect of it. And, you know, the potluck dinners and the ice cream socials. and right. Community of, building. Yes. And, and you know, canned food drives and all of that business. So, and I think that was a big part of us growing up and less about, you know, Revelations 4:18 or whatever. I mean, so this says this and so this must be true. Um, so after...
0: So then you start – so then you're not really getting much pressure from your parents. Not that much. You're able to sort of just enter into your adulthood, your early adulthood. Mm-hmm. You're you know, pursuing your career and all this stuff. But at the time, obviously, like any human does, you're starting to engage with these questions on your own. Yeah. And how did you then what, what I think what's I th- the bridge between that moment and today? You know, what where does your mind start to are there twists and turns? Are there is there a slowly evolving belief?
1: I think the way just because of and I'm certainly not a Bible scholar at all, but part of what I kind of transitioned in there was probably this guy named Jesus at one time. He he probably did some great things and taught some good lessons. And I'm leaving it at that, you know what I mean? Like, forget the resurrection, forget the virgin birth, you know, just this guy was, you know, kind of a, he kind of shook up the system a little bit, as did many other people in that time period. Yes. And that's sort of where I'm at with, you know, he questioned, you know, the government, he questioned how things were run. Yes. Um... And that's where rebellious. I am. rebellious. And I'm sort of like, do I—I definitely—I do believe that there is a heaven. I don't know if I believe there's a hell. Interesting that is, And I don't know how any of that works, because I don't know—Hitler would not be in heaven. Right. But I don't—I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. I right. just think—and honestly, part of that came about from when my mom died back in, like, 2006. And I just thought, like, well, she's around somewhere. Yeah. You know, her spirit's around somewhere. At least I believe that. Yeah. And I—and then people— and then you go, like, are you believing that only because you don't want her dead completely? And, the, yeah, that may be true.
0: Yeah. But it's a comfort for you, and it feels... Yeah. And do you feel like you live with it in other ways? Like, do you feel like you live with, uh, you know, other people that have died around you? Or do you... Yes, bro- I Are have you to, someone that believes have, in the spirit world to some extent? I or? do a little bit. Yeah.
1: Because my mom uh, grew up... She was a nurse, and I always think if someone died in a car accident that we knew or something like that. Hey mom, can you take care of them for a while or say hello to them or you know, that kind of a thing. And then I have another friend who died of cancer and I always think of her too. And like, you know, that's beautiful. Like they're up there somewhere helping me.
0: So, and Um, so you have an active dialogue with, um, mm -hmm. these, I mean, not active, I should say, but what I mean is, is you're not afraid to be like this person lives close to you. And so you can talk to this person. I think so. Yeah.
1: And it may be just wishful thinking and a, Probably is that, but that's where I'm at. And as far as the whole Jesus thing goes, I'm agnostic in that regard. Like, you know, we're gonna find out sooner or later. We just don't know just yet. Do you feel um,
0: it doesn't appear this way? But do you do you feel like uh, you you seem to be comfortable not needing to answer some of these questions yes. in any in any definitive way? Uh, you're happy to sort of like live with because there's mystery right there's mystery in our in the universe right. even even the the most staunch atheist would talk would have to acknowledge at a certain point there is mystery, right? Yes. And so so we can talk about the spectrum of mystery mm-hmm. and there are many different beliefs in that. And it seems like you're just kind of you're you're happy not needing to answer any more of these questions more directly. You know, you're saying I believe in heaven, I don't believe in hell, how that works, I'm okay with not knowing I don't and that's know. fine. Yeah.
1: And I don't even know if heaven is the right term. Sure. It could just be the way almost Native Americans believe in that we're all just part of energy or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, it's not that I'm happy with being ignorant. It's more. I don't mean I, to, you know I don't yeah. mean to imply
0: ignorance. I, yeah. I guess I just mean to imply a sort of not a driving, um, well, not a
1: driving. Uh, I, I guess when you meet people from other religions and everything else, and you go like, they're not going to go to hell. Why would they go to hell? You know, or there was that was that weird thing with with Christianity, wh- which would be like if you don't say that you're, of course, you know, you believe in Jesus as your savior, you're going to hell, even if you were, you know, building homes for humanity every second of your day, like that. Yeah, it was terrifying. That makes uh, no sense. Terrifying. <laughs> or like little babies who weren't baptized and all these weird rules, and you're like, come on. So and then meeting people from many many different faiths and 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 also. Um, flat-out atheists yeah. who are great people like they're not I don't I don't get that so, yes do so you feel I just deny it do you feel
0: uh, is there a place for you that has um, taken the place of the church for you because it, it seems like when you were young this was a very comforting um, environment to the point that you even explored it a little bit when you moved out here is there a, yeah. is the, have you found the um... I think
1: I think sometimes with church no matter what you're trying to find your family hmm um, you're trying to find people, like-minded people. Um, weirdly, I found that in a comedy group. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a... not weirdly yeah. to me. But, yeah, no, yeah. I just kind of switched from going to church to doing um, improv comedy at a place called the Groundlings, and and they became my like little surrogate family. And um, you begin to believe in, you know, uh, I don't know, just um, positive. Reinforcement and, and 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 positive feelings and laughter and all of that, right? Um,
0: and a shared you're creating things together. Right. You know, you're you're creating stories mm-hmm. together, and that's at the core of and religion it, in general. You and as
1: time goes on, as far as without bashing, I don't want to bash Christianity, but it, I get sometimes where I'm like, they get weirdly obsessed with sex, mm-hmm. and especially the whole virgin birth thing. You think like this woman was so special that she hadn't had sex and yet she had a baby right so god specifically really chose good, her right yeah. and that there's anyone who had sex oh no no thank you they're they're written off they're dirty um and that somehow god's magical sperm
0: yes worked.
1: so it's so
0: like, that made so, so th- i'm sorry that that remains a very sore to date that's yeah, one of the things that can still grip you as right. far as
1: like it in, in maybe enrage you. Or... Right. And even today with like, even like the fundamentalists when people are talking about, you know, marriage is between one man and one woman, you go, really? Because if you look at the Old Testament, it wasn't between one man and one woman. Almost every single person in the Old Testament had several wives right. and concubines. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. so if you're going to quote the Bible, maybe that's what we should all be doing. Like, just marry a lot of people. Right. Because that's what it used to be. In fact, even, and I think, and I may be wrong, but even in the New Testament times, that practice was still going on. Yeah. So, um...
0: Certainly in some communities yeah. or some... Right. Or depending on your uh, social status, right. you were allowed to do those types of things. Right.
1: And even if you weren't... Let's say it was one man and one woman, it wasn't true love. It was, they were, you know, you were basically given, you know, they, they it was all arranged marriages. So there was no love involved. It, it usually involved cattle or, you know, some kind of dowry. Right. So, um...
0: So now so so now you don't um well you still do a lot of improv uh, mm-hmm. and you don't do it you know consistently in the groundlings because now you've had this professional career now for a long time it's a vibrant career do you, do you find that going back to doing improv in some ways is is that does that feed you more in this kind of from this realm from this realm of spirituality more than just writing on a successful show or acting in a particular
1: I think film? anytime I think sometimes I think what I like about those kind of what I'm drawn to is the community aspect of a bunch of people in a place, in a, you know, a room or whatever, at the same time experiencing joy. Mm. And it's the same thing that you can happen if you see, you know, a, a movie where the whole audience is, you know, when you actually go to the movie theater. And I'm sure you can do it at home, too, when there's six people watching Netflix together or two people or whatever. It's that, that, that community of joy. And that's what I, you know... Yeah, my best experiences have been that.
0: Yeah, that's that's beautiful. You know? uh, do you do you have um you were talking a little bit to me earlier before we started the interview about your siblings. Do you feel mm-hmm. like your siblings um, have shared your uh like progression through yeah. life in this I, so way? we're all, we're
1: all pretty much on the same page. Yeah, cool. Um nobody's I don't have anybody who's yeah. I'd certainly have relatives who are uh, quite Fundamentalist and what have you. But there's other sides of the family that are just sort of like, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll find out later. So, which is kind of good, I guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, so that's that's good. So, uh, but that's nice that you had a supportive upbringing in that, you know, yeah. that like you've never felt. Um, not so much,
1: although I have to say on my one side, my grandma Edith, like, she thought everyone on the Titanic went to hell because wow. they were playing cards when the ship went down. Oh, really? So, yeah, That's so, like
0: something she said? Yes. So, That's amazing. So gambling
1: Because was, they were
0: involved in, in, they were in a sinful activity yep. at the moment of their death yep. and were not able to repent. Um, they... they that was mm-hmm. their lot.
1: She had a lot of things like I mean, you know, smoking cigarettes was a sin. In fact, my mom wow. smoked, but she smoked only in her bathroom with the door shut and because she felt guilty about it. And P. S. my grandmother at that time lived three hundred miles away. So she wasn't gonna smell the smoke. Yeah. But it was that thing of like these these things got ingrained in you that these were sinful. You know, divorce was unheard of back then and um I mean, it wasn't unheard of. But, no, no, you know. but I mean,
0: to do it though was
1: so. In the family, in the yeah. family would be like, "Oh no, you." And you know, we heard, we heard those things like, "You, you know, you make your bed, you lie in it," type of stuff.
0: Yes, right, mm-hmm. right. Um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's interesting. This is obviously a, this opens up a larger discussion that we uh, don't have the time for right now, but maybe we'll another day. But just sort of like talking about the the generational shift. You know, mm-hmm. I can certainly see that in my grandparents. Um, or my grandmother, who was my primary—I only had one grandparent, really—that that lived long enough for me to know them, and um, and she definitely—you saw it, you know. She she just did not seem to pursue an independent joy. Uh, not that she was totally unhappy, but she never took chances in arenas where we would certainly not have allowed ourselves at this stage to um, to lock ourselves into certain patterns, but. Um, you know, it's interesting to talk about what that means, you know, from generational shift.
1: Yeah. And I think the thing I think with many of us with organized religion over the years is you see the corruption, you see the hypocrisy. Um, and uh, and that leaves left a, a very bad stain in my mouth. You yeah, know, I think with a lot of people. So, yeah, I think people can explore what they want. But the whole organized thing sometimes is like, yeah, no, thank you.
0: Yeah, it has not made a particularly good transition to twenty-four hour news. You know, mm, no. the, the, the church has been exposed, yeah. um, and it's a heavy way to land uh, because this is the end of the conversation. Oh. But but um, and you know, but this is this is like this is where it brings us. Look, it's uh, it. There are delicacies in the title for a reason. That's right. um,
1: well, if you ever have shingles, I'll be happy to hold your hand.
0: I will grunt and moan okay. the loudest you've ever heard. <laughs> uh, Michael Hitchcock. It has been an Absolute joy having you here, man. Um,
1: My pleasure, Nick.
0: You know you're you're a dear friend, and I appreciate you taking this ride. So thank you all for listening.